Hey, what's up? I'm Alex. I'm Jack. We are one half of All Time Low, and you're hanging out with us and Rob on Front Row Live. Alex, Jack, it's awesome to be able to reunite with you guys. It's been such a long time, and I've been so happy seeing how much this band has evolved. Um, I feel like I've been there from early on, and I've been able to see like that progression that you guys have had. 20 years, not not every band could say 20 years that they've been not only alive as a band, but also successful the way that you guys have been. Um, as you guys kind of look back over those years, like what would you say like that evolution was like? Do you feel like it was a natural progression or do you feel like it was something that you guys were trying to step it up every single time that you guys got together to write new music? Well, first of all, thank you for saying yeah. that's very kind. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it has been a natural progression over the years. You know, I think um, with our band, it's really interesting because we, it's, it's spanning 20 years. It's a lot of music. And there've been a lot of twists and turns throughout our career. Um, you know, we, we came up as an independent band and then made a jump to a major label. That major label did not work out for us. And that record was while a record that I absolutely adore uh, career wise, it kind of felt like it, it, threw us into a bit of a tailspin for a minute. And then we ended up coming out the other side and re-signing with an indie label um, back with our original label. And then almost having to like really intentionally write the ship and, and change course again to get us back on track. And so, um, you know, I think the beauty of that though, is that we have had such a long time to craft this really amazing um, kind of grassroots loyal fan base that um, has stuck with us for so, so many years and it's really inspiring and keeps us inspired and keeps us driven to keep going into the studio and making new music that not only feels like it caters to what All Time Low is known for, but continues to push the envelope every time and bring something new and bring something interesting. Um, and I tr attribute a lot of that to why, you know, we've been lucky enough to last. Yeah, I don't think that it's been the, the type of career that was an overnight success type thing. You know, I think that it very much has been a slow and steady type exactly. career even though we've had those big moments along the way um whereas felt like oh this is like really becoming something uh then there's been some missteps you know and and so it's like been like a lot of this but always kind of on the up and so you know it's been definitely a, a freaking journey yeah it's it's a it's a roller coaster ride <laughs> doing it for as long as we have and um you know it's i think at the end of the day we're just really grateful that we continue to have people who are showing us love and, and showing interest in the music and it, it keeps us going the ninth album just dropped on friday tell me i'm alive and it's it, it, you guys just continue to evolve uh both as musicians as vocalists as performers as songwriters this album says that um and i love how different it kind of is like it's it's a more mature kind of record um in all sort of ways diving into the studio to create this record sonically what inspired this album? I think a lot of inspiration came from artists I grew up listening to. Um, a lot of exposure and re-exposure to, uh, you know, artists like the Beatles and Queen and Elton John and um, Prince and Bowie. And, you know, I think at this point in our career, we know what an all-time low song sounds like we know how to make an all-time low record and we know what doesn't feel like all-time low and i think there's a lot of safety in that there's a really good i think getty lee said it i'm going to probably misquote him but uh there's a really great great quote where he says essentially like the the artists that last and artists that continue to grow are the ones who have so many influences from all over the place that you can't tell 
who or what exactly they're pulling from when they pull from their inspirations. And it ends up sounding like nothing but them. And I think we're in a really, uh, that, that isn't meant to sound like I'm complimenting us on our awareness or something like that. But I think we're in a really nice sweet spot right now where we're so familiar with what all time low is and what's at the core of our music that when we pull from these inspirations like the Beatles or Queen or Elton John, it, it's not it's not us. It doesn't come across as us doing a direct impression or impersonation of that artist. It's like just sprinkling in a little bit of that inspo to to enhance what All Time Low is known for. And so I think with, with that, we can pivot really dynamically without, uh, you know, completely throwing people off the scent of, of it being an all time low song. That reminds me, like for an example of like like what what Alex just said, like the the background vocals on like the second verse of Calm Down are very like Beach Boysy, and it's like stuff like that, and you're you're peppering in these like little things that you probably wouldn't hear on older all time low records, but um, I think are just little things that are like oh this still sounds like all time low, but it's like slightly different. It's a moment that pulls the listener uh, into like oh that's interesting. I haven't heard them do that before without being like you know oh they're doing Queen. <laughs> no and i and i totally got that with this album uh i think it was modern love with the piano that intro with the piano and also the cadence of that intro like it just gave me early rocket summer vibes and oh, nice. it was like it was really cool i was like that that's really like it felt really nostalgic but at the same time it's obviously all-time low um love that and that was you know that was one of the favorite songs on this album but because you said like now you know what an all-time low record sounds like or music sounds like I'm sure that's why it's so important to have producers and and co-writers like Zach Cervini and Andrew Goldstein who have been with you guys for quite some time um but how are you guys able to kind of have that friendship and still be able to get pushed in the studio when you guys are recording new music specifically for this album I I think that um it's kind of been Alex pushing the envelope and like Goldstein and Cervini kind of keeping it on track if mm -hmm. that makes sense i think that um alex because he has such a he's such a knowledge of vast array of, of different artists like he just mentioned um and not saying that goldstein and servini don't but i think that they both you know we grew up with goldstein and servini grew up an all-time low fan so they both you know are so aware of who this band is the dna of this band where we come from where we want to go that they're able to take, you know, Alex's wild ideas and be like, let's all time lullify that. 100%. I think they're a great counterweight to like me, you know, me reaching or us reaching for wanting to try new things, different things and experiment within what all time low is. Yeah, they're a great counterweight to being like, Zach, for example, was an all time low fan first. You know, he, he came up on our music and liked our music before we ever worked with him. And so I think it's a really helpful um, opinion to have in the creative zone because he's coming at it from, from a place that we could never come at it from, you know, he's coming at it. Like I remember being a fan and this is what I loved about you. This is what drew me to your music. And so he can kind of make sure that we're kind of capturing that along the way, even if there, even if I am standing and going, I really want to make something that feels super different for all time low, you know, it, it kind of, it, like you said, keeps it on the rails. Alex, you've most recently you've been your name has been popping up a lot more as like part of the production, uh, co-produce, co-producing. Um, how are you able to separate Alex, the producer, and then Alex, the artist when you're in the studio creating the music that you are? 
Um, that's a great question. I, I don't know that I think about it all too much. It's really just this sense of, of, I think having done it for as long as I have now, I have picked up on enough of the tools and the skill sets to kind of, not only do I approach it from a songwriting standpoint and go, okay, here's the crux of the song and this is the concept and this is the melody and this is the lyric, but it's also like, I know how I want it to sound. And now it's not just that I know how I want it to sound. It's like, I know how to make it sound that way. And, and I think um, that is where you sort of shift into that world of producing in the mm -hmm. sense of like, usually that's what you, the producer is there to do. It's like, take your, take the artist idea and form it into something that sounds a certain way. Um, and, and these days I, I just feel like I kind of know just a bit more about the ins and outs of how to coalesce something into uh, a recorded song even when it comes to like alex you know deciding what what the harmonies are going to be what the actual drum parts are going to be sometimes you know what um what's going to cut out in a certain section and, and stuff like that you know what i mean so much of that informs i think how a song connects with people and and it was something that i didn't realize at first but you know it's the song the songwriting itself is is I would say the most important part to a good song, but there is so much um, that weighs heavily upon the, the, the music, musical choices and the rhythmic choices and the cadences. And um, you know, you can write an amazing song and play it on piano and it's, it's like, Oh, that was absolutely incredible. But then you add drums, bass, guitar, keys, synths. And if, if those things aren't in lockstep with what the song is trying to accomplish, it can actually really derail the song. And I think in years past, um, I've experienced that firsthand and gone like, oops, I like I didn't catch that. And if I had done this, if this kick pattern was simpler, if this, you know, if this chord prog progression was different here, if it went to the minor over this note, it would feel that much more tense. And it's just make, being able to make those choices with a bit more of an informed sensibility, which, helps. Are, which are definitely like production things as opposed to songwriting. And For sure. Uh, and then what you just said reminds me of Sound of Letting Go on a new record where like, uh, God, we went through like 15 iterations of that song trying to get it to sound like all time low and trying to get to to kind of for the courses to pop off the way they do now um, while still having like, you know, it's such a mix of like jingly guitars, as I like to say, and also synth and piano as well with real drums and then also with program drums. So Our it's like. Yeah. Our inclination on that one was to wanting to keep lean, leaning more and more rock and having more dirty guitars and, and things like that. And every, the more we leaned that way, there was like there was some magic being lost. Mm -hmm. And it was like the it just became really linear. And so the only way to fix that was to get away from our tendency of wanting to do something really driving and distorted. And once we leaned into those cleaner sounding guitars and put some of that bite, bite on the bass, it kind of suddenly the low end was doing the heavy lifting in that way and and everything else felt like ear candy and it, it was like oh that's the sweet spot yeah it's weird when you make the guitars less distorted but it somehow rocks more right. it's like a very like weird hard thing to describe you know what i mean but you guys did have a good distortion uh on a song that i think this might be my favorite song new religion um you had the distorted guitars on it you also had teddy swings who is incredible but yeah. Alex, you did something different that at least I have never heard you do vocally before. And that was the the why, 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 like that that falsetto that you did, like just very queenish, I guess. I actually no, I think more like Adam Levine type. <laughs> like you did right that on. with your mm -hmm. vocals and it felt so natural. But like again, I don't remember ever hearing you do that before. So 
what kind of challenge did you face in doing that? And what really inspired that particular song the way that it did? Good question. I think, I think a lot of it came from just, again, that, that idea of wanting to push the envelope of what I guess pop rock and pop punk can be. Um, I think I've always sort of shied away from this, this hard label of all time low being a pop punk band, because you tend not to hear those kinds of sensibilities in vocals in pop punk music. And um, I will say that vocally, um, I really only was inspired vocally to by pop punk early on. You know, it was it was Offspring and Blink and Green Day and that style of singing um, was was really a, a factor for me in the early formative years of All Time Low. But then beyond that, pushing beyond that, I kind of like started exploring like you know like the way Prince was singing, the way Freddie Mercury was singing, the way you know, and, and going like there's something there you can do more with a broader tool set and taking inspiration from other artists that are outside of the genre, but then bringing those in and, and kind of peppering them in, like I said, to music that at its core is still coming from this pop rock inspired place. And um, it was just that for that song. I was, you know, I was kind of like, how, like, how would the weekend do this? You know? Yeah. And not even when it comes to vocals with that song, because the bridge is a guitar part mm. and the, the breakdown is a guitar part. And we kind of, you know, with it to make it not sound like a guitar part to kind of take it outside i guess the the rock world but it still rocks and <laughs> i think that like it's such a cool unique bridge and probably i'd say one of everyone's favorite moments on that record um and just doing something different man just trying to trying to change it up yeah the, the studio the studio is a sandbox you know it, it goes without saying and it's like i think the more you push yourselves to to just play with the toys that you have available to you in the studio the better the results you know obviously sometimes and that's why you need people like zach and andrew to keep you on the rails because you can go too far and it can and it can suddenly just be like i don't know what we're making anymore yeah but at the same time it's really fun to play around with tool sets that you don't typically use in your music every day um, and I think some of the best results have come from that. You know, I think it started with songs like Life of the Party on Last Young Renegade. Like yeah. I was, that song is one, again, where I sort of went up into my upper register and was singing in falsetto and head voice and just something I'd never really done all that much in our music, but it, it kind of, it worked. And I went like, you know, this is something that we can play around with. And that kind of, uh, yeah, that came across on New Religion for sure. To close us off, I'd keep you guys forever, but to close, to close us off, uh, Early on, 20 years ago, Paul Levitt was the original producer with the band. Um, yeah. Obviously, you guys didn't know where you guys were going to be at 20 years later, but you guys were in high school during that time trying to figure out life. How did Paul Levitt guide you guys to the direction of this music industry, this music world early on in your career? Wow. Great, great question. I'll I tell you that. I'll tell you a bunch of things he did. First of all, he got us using a click track or a yeah. metronome for those who don't know what click track is. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that he just kicked our ass in the way that we needed. We needed. Uh, it was like I, I would play a guitar part, and he'd be like, "No, I can play it right," or like, "Play you're like you're like a second behind." And, and then I was like, "As no, I'm not. I'm playing it on." He's like, "You're actually not." Yeah. And it just like it kind of was like boot camp for musicians and as songwriting, but also as performances for all of us. Yeah. And I think he made us all better musicians as well as songwriters. I think he just made us aware that there was a process. You yeah. I mean? It was like, we were, before that, we were just kind of kids that were, you know, figuring it out for ourselves. And he was the first person that we came up against that was like, in a good way, went like, to your point, no, you should play in time. Yeah, you're not playing in time, dude. <laughs> or or like, hey, I know that you think that you're singing a harmony, but that is not a harmony. And these notes are crossing and this is rubbing and it doesn't sound good. Here's how you do a harmony. Like, 
you need to learn those lessons a little bit uh, in order for music to work. And he was, he was very integral in, in pushing us to get a little bit better. Um, and I think he kind of sped up the growth process for this band. Cause we were, we were kids, you know, we were kids. Yeah, you were singing school. properly as well. Remember like you lose your voice. Oh, I lose my voice every time in the studio. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, you should consider, you know, try trying to reevaluate the way you sing because you're losing your voice every time you do it. And yeah, it was, it was very, it was very informative. And also, he was just so ahead of the curve with production uh, for the time. I mean, he really like, we had no right back then making music sound, making music that sounded as pro as it did, if that makes sense. Like he was very integral in, in helping us craft something that yeah. elevated us to a point where people even took us seriously. Cause yep. without him, I think we would have been making demos in our bedroom that didn't sound all that good. And while it would have been appropriate for the time, it made us stand out. And that was so helpful because it, it got eyes on us and it, it launched us into uh, being in a place where labels started taking us seriously. And it gave us a chance to actually do this professionally. I think without him, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be 100%. here. That's crazy. Well, congratulations guys. I'm glad 20 years later, you guys are still going strong. Congratulations with this album. Thank you for releasing such a masterpiece. And I look forward to catching up with you guys again soon. Thank well, you so much for the kind it's, words. It's awesome meeting someone that saw us on our first tour ever. So that's fucking oh rad. God. Yeah, I cannot. Yeah. I can't get yeah. over that. That's that crazy. So crazy. Yeah. Hey, it's Rob again. If you enjoyed this interview, please follow for more. And I invite you to head over to my YouTube channel, Front Row Live ENT, where I have thousands of video interviews with my favorite new and established artists. Once again, thank you for tuning in and have a great night.